How's that? John chapter 12. Just think we could have had Nick with a dead battery. He'd have been quieter. (laughs) Starting from verse 20. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, an interesting reply, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat fall in the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honour the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It is for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd was there and heard it. Some said it thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. That crowd spoke up. We had heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Jesus told them, You're going to have this light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have it, so you may become sons of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Name forever. Lord, through the tough times in life, through the good times in life, Thank you, Father, that that you are all that we need. Whom have we in heaven but you? And what is there on the earth for us to desire but you? Lord God, now as we turn and we we listen to your words, would you help us to, to understand what they mean for us? Holy Spirit, would you speak into our hearts and our lives and our minds? And might I dare to ask that you would use my words to 
to do that. Amen. Isn't that just such a powerful, powerful video that we watched? Uh, Some of you might have spotted the story. It, It originally comes from one of those irritating email forwards, the story of the birds in the cage. But uh, the reason I wanted to show that to you is because today we're, we're starting a new series leading up to Easter. And we're starting here in John chapter 12, just after the triumphal entry. It's the week, it's the Passion Week. It's the week that Jesus has come to Jerusalem and is about to die. As our reading said, um, verse 23 about Jesus says, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And it's a wonderful story, the story of the Passion Week. And, and I wonder sometimes whether we, we've heard it so often that we don't stop and think through it again. Because there is just so much depth, so much meaning. I mean, with, without the cross of Christ... All the rest of the stuff that we do is, is worthless and meaningless. So let's turn and, and have a look here. We, we've skipped the triumphal entry. Uh, we come to chapter 12, verse 20. One of my favorite verses in the whole of, um, of John is chapter 12, verse 21. In fact, it's written right here on the pulpit, Sir, we want to meet with Jesus. Or, Sir, we want to see Jesus. It's a fantastic statement. It's it's the mission statement that, that I put in front of me every time I think about a sermon. How is this going to help us to see more of Jesus? But it's a strange, strange opening that we've got here. It's Jerusalem. It's Passover week. We've got a whole bunch of people, mainly Jewish people, come to the city to offer sacrifices, which we've been looking at for the last month. And, and they've come, and, and amongst them there are some Greek people, not necessarily Greek-Greek, probably Greek-Greek, but, but Greek here meaning foreigners, non-Jews. And they're in the city, they, they are God-fearers. They are people who think there's something in what, what God has to say. People who, who want to, to try to follow God, they, they just don't want to go as far as the snip-snip, cut-cut. And they come along and they've heard something of Jesus. Maybe they were there in the crowd as Jesus made his entry into Jerusalem. Maybe they were there when Jesus cleared the temple. Maybe they'd heard stories of his, of his healing. Maybe they had sat in on some of his teaching. Regardless, here in chapter 20, these Greek blokes arrive and they go to Philip and they say, Sir... We want to see Jesus. And it's not just, uh, Mr. P.A., can you introduce me to your boss? When John speaks about people seeing Jesus, it's almost code for, Sir, we want to come to know Jesus. Sir, we want to know Jesus like you know Jesus. We want to become his disciples. Philip, can you introduce us to Jesus? Why did they go to Philip? Well, maybe he's, he's got a Greek name. A lot of people did. Uh, we also know that Philip comes from Bethsaida, which is a northwest Galilee kind of area. It's actually technically a Greek province, not part of uh, Israel. 
So, so they go to this bloke because they think, well, maybe, maybe he's a bit like us. He comes from maybe the same place as we are. Uh, Bethsaida is, is in the general region of the Decapolis. I don't know if you've heard of the Decapolis, the, the ten Greek cities uh, of that part of the world. And so they go to him and, 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 and yeah, here's someone who understands us, who might give us the time of the day. Remember in those days, uh, if you were a non-Jew speaking to a Jew, talk about racism. Non-Jewish people were very much second-class citizens. Even though these were God-fearers wanting to, to worship God at Passover, they were only allowed into the outer court of the temple, the court of the Gentiles. If they went any further, oh, that's a bit quick probably stone you to death. There are some outsiders trying to get in. And it makes me think, how do outsiders today get into the church? I think two points we need to say. One, these Greeks didn't come to Philip and say, Philip, we have heard so much about you. You are such a wonderful disciple. Look, Phil, you have just inspired us, and we want to be like you, Philip. Sometimes, sometimes I think that's the way we act as Christians. We say, I have to be a good enough Christian. I have to, I have to show people my light strong enough so that, so that they will be inspired by my life and my faith, and they will come to know Christ because of my goodness. Goodness gracious me. Aren't I good in graciousness? But that's not what happens here. The Greeks come and they say, Phil, mate, nice to meet you. Show us Jesus, please. It was Jesus that drew them in. And we see later on in verse 32, Jesus says that after his death and resurrection, he was the one who will draw all men to himself. So that's one point. Outsiders come, become insiders because of who Jesus is, not because of who we are. That doesn't mean that we can just act however we want to act. Obviously, if, if Philip had, had uh, lived the life of Judas, it's, it's not the best advert for Jesus Christ, is it? But there's another lesson I think we can learn. And it's the fact that these Greek blokes went to someone like them. So often we, we expect people to conform to us so that they can have the privilege of hearing the gospel from us. Hudson Taylor, missionary to China, was a great man and one of the first missionaries to actually decide that when he went onto the mission field, he would wear the clothing of the locals. To me, that kind of is, is just common sense. You go to a country, you, you, you dress like the people of the country so that you can relate to them one-on-one. But, but before him, people were going in their like, formal European clothing and saying, good day, good day, we would like to tell you about Jesus Christ. And the people looked at them and said, you are foreign to us. Why would we listen to you? And I think the truth is here, people go to those with whom they can relate And the question is, who, who are those who can relate to us? Because there are people 
Anyway, these Greeks have gone to Philip. Uh, I like Philip. I like all of the disciples. They are just an interesting bunch. Here come these people saying, so we really want to become disciples of Jesus. We want to see Jesus. And Philip goes, oh, not sure what to do now. Um, <laughs> never actually had this happen. Uh, 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 come on, and he, he calls his, his friend Andrew. He says, Andrew, mate, these blokes want to go and see Jesus. What are we going to do about it? And, and the two of them are not much better than the one. And they go, oh, I don't know. What are we going to do? Let, let's go ask Jesus. And so they wonder off these poor Greek men. Uh, we're not told, but I, I picture them just sort of standing there on the outside waiting for, for Philip and Andrew to return. Philip and Andrew go wandering off to Jesus. They say, look, look Jesus, don't, don't want to bother you too much. There's, there's a few Greek blokes outside. And they want to see you. You know, see you. They want to know you. They want to meet you. Isn't it strange what Jesus does there? Because Jesus doesn't actually answer them. Yeah, I'd expect Jesus to say, Wonderful! Bring them in! Usher them to the front! Ladies and gentlemen, there are some new disciples. But Jesus turns around and he says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And he seems to just not answer them at all. And he starts speaking about his death. And he starts speaking about how those who follow him will endure the same sort of suffering that he will endure. It's like these, these Greek men inquiring of Jesus is, is like a, a sign to Jesus that now the time is right. Now the hour is upon him for redemption's plan to come to fruition. You know, throughout the book of John, we've been hearing Jesus say, the time is not right yet. Uh, village of, of Cana, you know, that big, wonderful miracle of Jesus where he transforms the water into the wine. Before he does it, he, he says to Mary, woman, my time is not, the hour is not here yet. My, my time is not here yet. Why, why do you want me to do this? A little bit later on, we, we read of the, the, the chief priests and the Pharisees trying to arrest Jesus, and John tells us they didn't because Jesus' time was not yet upon him. And yet here Jesus says, no, the hour has come for me to be glorified. You know, when I think of being glorified in a humanistic kind of way, I, I think of people thinking well of me. When I think of, of being glorified, I, I, I picture myself on a pedestal with, with, with people saying, oh, what a wonderful man. I don't think of being glorified too often, <laughs> which is good. But you know, when Jesus says, now the time has come for me to be glorified. Yes, part of that is that all will see him and all will bow down and every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But, but says Jesus in verse 23 and 24, now is the time of glorification. In other words, now is the time for my death. Glorification, says Jesus, equals death. 
being honored for Jesus equals dying for us. He's got this wonderful parable of, of a seed. And he says, you take a seed and, and you put it in the ground. And unless you put it in the ground and it dies to itself, nothing happens. But you put it in the ground and it grows and there is just an incredible harvest, uh, uh, seed upon seed upon seed. He says, Jesus, this is what I have come to do. My glory is to die and produce a harvest of life. And I'd love, I love that. And I'd half love it if Jesus had stopped there. <laughs> because he goes on and he says, look, this is my story. Dying to bring life. But if you are going to be my people, if you are going to be my servants, if you are going to be my children, my followers, then in some way, my story of dying to life at somebody's car. My story of dying to life is in some ways your story as well. And he's got this wonderful thing in verse 25. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. The man who loves his life will lose it. The man who says, I will put myself and my needs, and my priorities, and my comfort, and my happiness, and my joy first above the kingdom of God. Yes, you can have a wonderful time. You're going to enjoy life. You're going to live maybe for a long time, maybe for a short time. But, but says Jesus, the, the fact is that if you put yourself first and you say no to God, you end up alone and is spiritually dead forever. He says, Jesus, no, the way to life is through death. The way to live is by dying. Dying to yourself. And the wonderful thing, says Jesus, is that those who serve Him and follow Him and are with Him in His suffering and His death, they too will be honored by God. See, what Jesus is saying there, I will be glorified through my dying and bringing life, and, and as my followers, I want you to also live a life through death. And if you do that, if you follow me in my suffering, you will also follow me in my glory, and the Father who glorifies me will honor you when you serve me and follow me through the difficult times of life. I mean, verse 26, whoever serves me must follow me, uh, says Jesus over there. Uh, Where I am, my servant also will be. We're very good at serving Jesus. It's very easy to serve Jesus, to, uh, I don't know, put out the chairs, to um, wash the dishes at the camp, to, to drop a Bible off at our neighbor. Serving Jesus is not hard. 
But Jesus says, whoever serves me follows me. And where I am, there my servant will be. We like to put that the other way around, don't we? We say, uh, Jesus is with me. And he is, but, but says Jesus, no, my servant is with me. And where is Jesus when he says this? He's on the way to the cross. Says Jesus, my servant will follow me, will walk the same road that I'm walking. Will, will live out in their life the same sort of dying for others that I will live out. I think maybe that's why Paul says in one of his letters that, that, that through his suffering he was building up what, what they lacked in Christ. He was suffering like Jesus suffered for his church, for his king. verse 27. We can read it two ways. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came. And it's not... This is serious stuff. This is not to be read glibly. Here is Jesus knowing full well that now the hour is upon him, that in the next five or six days he will die. And as he thinks about it, even as he says, follow me, he says, now my heart is troubled. And I want to say no. I mean, Jesus is, is God, but he's also a man. And, and, and human instinct when we're faced with suffering is to say, uh-uh, I don't want it. I, I, I'd rather have the good life. No, thank you. And Jesus says, Sh- Father, no, please. Take this hour away. Save me from this hour. You know, Jesus calls us to follow him on the road marked with suffering, as, as we say, for the sake of others. But isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus understands our trepidation about that? That he doesn't just say, it'll be easy, mate, go for it. But the very next sentence he says, I myself, though I am God, am troubled. What does he teach us? He says, no. Jesus says, I know that the reason I came is to do this, is to die to bring life. And so I will not walk away from this hour. I will not say, Father, take this hour away from me. I will go forward and I will glorify the name of God. Father, glorify your name. Because if this is, that this is not an easy thing that I'm doing, but it's something that has to be done. And the father replies and he says, I have already glorified my name and I will glorify it again. Two places where God's name is glorified. 
John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only. There we go. Verse 14. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I have glorified my name by sending you into the world. Through the incarnation, people know something of my goodness. People know something of my love for them. People know something of the, of the lengths that I will go to for them. And I will glorify my name again through your dying. Through your passion. Through your resurrection. See, what brings glory to God's name is people looking to Him as He truly is and acknowledging Him as Lord and God and Savior and Judge. Which is why Jesus says this, this voice it wasn't so much to comfort me, it was for your sake, so that you would know that now is the time. Now is the time for judgment. Now is the time for you to decide, are you for me, are you against me? Now is the time, soon, very soon, when Satan himself will be defeated. Now is the time, says Jesus, when I shall be lifted up and I will draw all men to myself. There's a play on words there. The, the word lifted up there is speaking obviously about Jesus being lifted up onto the cross and, and above the ground, but, but it's the word that is usually used for when I am lifted up, as in when I ascend, when I am lifted from the ground, when I go to the Father in heaven. See, this is the meaning of, of, of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. This is the purpose to draw all men to himself. And if you would, this at last, verse 32, is the answer to the Greeks back in verse 20. They say, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Jesus says, chapter 12, verse 32, soon. This is the hour. And I will be lifted up, and then I will draw all men to myself. You want to know me? I want to know you, and I'm working so that I can know you, and so that you can know me. Soon. Now is the hour. And there's confusion in the crowd, and they say, how is this possible? And they tried to start debating theology with Jesus, but, but Jesus... He doesn't go there. He doesn't answer their question again. He just says, people realize now is the time. The hour of darkness is coming and the sun of light will soon be gone from you. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. 
put your trust in the light while you have it, so that you may become sons of the light. Says Jesus, now is the time for you to decide. Act while there's still time. And it's so sad the way the story ends. As you know, it started with people saying, we want to see Jesus. And it ends with Jesus hiding himself. Not from the Greeks. He's already told the Greeks in verse 32, soon you will see me, you will know me. But from these people of Jerusalem, the children of God, the ones who who had been told through the prophets and through the law and through Leviticus all about the coming Son of God, who should have been the ready ones, who should have been the ones walking in the light. That was their purpose throughout time. God had decided, I will choose Israel and they will be a light to the nations. And yet when the true light of the world comes into the world and stands in their midst and says, Soon I will be gone and I will be lifted up and I will draw all men to myself. They turn and they say, "Uh uh-uh, don't believe you. Not going to happen. In fact, the very next verse, verse 37 onwards, they start speaking about their unbelief. and, And again, we will not follow Jesus. And so we've got those who are seeking Jesus told that they will find him. And we see those who think they've got it sorted. Ending up not seeing him. I don't know. If I would have been those Greek men, I would have been a little bit disappointed in the answer at that time come all this way decided you want to know Jesus to see him to meet him and he says no not yet can you imagine those same Greek men five days later still in the city for the festival of Passover and they see Jesus raised up on that cross. And they say, maybe like that Roman soldier, surely this is the Son of God. And then a few days later, as Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and the news starts filtering out, Philip, Andrew, these blokes who didn't know what to do, filled with the Spirit now. Philip is the bloke who speaks with the eunuch. Says, do you understand what you're reading? Let me explain it to you. And all of a sudden, those on the outside can come to the inside. All because of Easter. because of Jesus who was raised and lifted up 
all because he passed the, he trod the path of suffering and sorrow and shame. Because that's our God. That is our God. Amen.